This is pause it for me. This is Hannah. <laughs> Are you implying my name is pause it for me? Like I'm pause it for me and you're Hannah? Yeah. Okay. Pause it for me, Brandon. Why don't you tell the listeners what pause it for me is? It's the name of our podcast. <laughs> I meant what the podcast <laughs> is. It's about movies, mostly. <laughs> and... uh Movies in our marriage right. that we watch together and mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah. Hannah, do you think Frankenstein was misunderstood? Certainly. Tell me about that. And when we say Frankenstein, we obviously mean Dr. Dr. Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Yes. Not his monster. So misunderstood. Go ahead. Yeah, because at the time they were just figuring out like the different parts of the body because before that they thought it was the humor system so then they were opening up bodies and you know they didn't have enough cadavers they didn't have a system of how to do that so then they would often grave rob and they would open up the bodies and figure out how things went and it makes sense you know a a doctor of science he wants to see if he can reanimate life which in science We've figured out ways of doing that in some regards, like an artificial heart, stuff like that. But it was of its time. And he, you know, he had a science experiment and it just went wrong. And this is way too long (laughs) talking about the novel. (laughs) I mean, there's a movie of it. It's relevant. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should watch one of the movies this season. Well, it's a nice fall day. Fall has sprung. People normally say spring has sprung. What do they say about fall? Fall has fallen? Autumn has fallen. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. This is our first episode that we're recording with the door open. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go well. But it's such a nice day. It's just there's a beautiful, cool breeze coming in. Mm -hmm. Well, before we got air conditioning, I was on Carl and Gabe's podcast. (laughs) And Gabe said afterwards he had to edit out birds of the audio. And I was kind of like, ha ha, hmm. Probably my audio. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna edit out any of that. I'm just gonna leave it in. I've been yeah. listening a lot to the podcast Anma lately. They talk a lot about audio texture. In their case, I think it's a bit much because they have like dump trucks going off in the background. But it was too nice of a day to not have the window open. And plus, we 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 lit a candle and a little nice fall candle, and the breeze is wafting the beautiful Bath and Body Works fumes over to our, it is, our yeah. nostrils. So that's great. It's a pumpkin latte candle. <laughs> yeah, you picked it up. Mm-hmm, very unbrand. So as far as this episode goes, you may have seen by the title. Today, it is the episode that nobody asked for. We are talking about Will Smith. Now, why are we talking about Will Smith? Because Good question. it's interesting. He's interesting. <laughs> so if, if you're listening to this in the year that it came out, you probably know that the Will Smith Oscar slaps happened recently. And I don't want to talk about it because it's topical, because it's really not anymore. It happened a few months ago. Here's why I want to talk about it. Me and Hannah have been listening to a lot of autobiography audiobooks, uh, getting them from the library app, which has been awesome. Elton John, Lauren Graham, Billy Crystal even have some great audiobooks that I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. I tried to borrow the Will Smith audiobook before the slap happened, but the wait list was so long mm-hmm. that I only got the chance to actually borrow it after the slap happened. And he was kind of like, I don't know if he's full on canceled, but he's at least half canceled. Honestly, I I don't think he's canceled. Right. I think it's more like it's a slip up that people get annoyed about for a while and then he's going to be in a movie like next year and no one's going to care. You think it's just a bit of a slap on the wrist? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to talk about it because, well, first of all, I, I I suppose you could say I was a Will Smith fan before the slap happened. I don't know if I would consider myself one now, um, but I've seen all the seasons of Fresh Prince. I have them all on DVD and, and I watched several of his movies, but listening to the audiobook, it couldn't have been more clear why the slap happened. So just, again, to get it out of the way, we don't condone this the slap. No. Neither of us do. I, I think it was just such an idiotic thing to do for yeah. the for the obvious reasons, but I, I think the underrated reason that that pisses me off about it is that he's a role model for a lot of people. And... To do that on television, 
at a big, you know, high profile event that a lot of people watch is basically giving off the message to people who like Will Smith and want to emulate him that if you're not happy with what somebody's doing, just straight up slap someone, which is which is just so the wrong message to be sending to people that just like, hey, that person's bothering you, just immediately turn to violence. And that's cool because Will Smith does it. Like that, that in and of itself is the thing that made me the most mad about it is just sending that message that like, hey, it's just okay to go and hit people. I mean, I understand him getting mad, but it's like one of the most public events and he's there to be like, he's nominated for an award that he might win and he did win. But, like, there's a way to get mad where you can, like, talk to someone privately, like, off camera instead of making a huge scene. Like, that felt pretty unnecessary. Right. Well, again, so as I touched on in the book, it is so clear why that slap happened, you know, and you don't even need to listen to the first more than the first hour of the book, because basically he talks about coming from a childhood where his dad beat his mom. Mm-hmm. And the way he describes it is that in a family of fighters, he was the weak one. He felt like he didn't take enough action to either defend his mom or fight off his dad or whatever. So it's like so clear that he comes from a family where hitting each other is normal. And he felt like there's a little car beep in the background. He felt like he should have taken action. He should have raised his fists or whatever. He felt weak. And he's been dealing with that feeling since childhood. Now, obviously, he should have gone to more therapy. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's a celebrity. I'm sure he's gone to therapy. He should have gone to more therapy to understand, like, why that's not okay. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're, like, an adult in your, like, 50s or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you think it's okay to just slap somebody because you don't like what they're saying, you are completely delusional. Yeah, I I mean, like, it's one thing to defend your wife, but even, like, in a context of award shows, they make fun of everybody. Yeah. Like, why even bother, like, entertain the idea? You're just going to give it more fuel. Right. So coming off of that uh, audiobook, it did get me in the mood to watch Will Smith movies, mm-hmm. particularly ones that I hadn't seen. I asked Hannah... Dear listeners, if we could do a little Will Smith marathon, I asked for four movies. She haggled down to two. We ended up watching five. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to, you know, get the autumn train moving by watching some more autumny content, but we haven't really got to that as of yet. Right. Well, you were like, I'm, I'm in the mood for spooky season. Let's start watching some horror movies. I'm like, Hannah, it's like August 29th. <laughs> Yeah, but okay, so then we watched a bunch of Will Smith movies, and then we watched Muhammad Ali, and then we took, like, a three-week break halfway through, not even halfway through watching that movie, (laughs) something like like that. I thought we were, like, half an hour in. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, I got really busy. This this past week was, like, my busiest week of the year. Mm -hmm. You had stuff going on as well. So it was partially that, but also even when we went back to Ali. Okay, so the movies that we watched five movies we watched we started with bad boys i wanted to watch six degrees of separation which was kind of like his breakout film role but we didn't end up looping back around to that so we watched bad boys the first half hour of ali then all three men in black films and then another 20 minutes of ali pause another 20 minutes of ali pause it just took us so long to get through that and so despite the fact that this is going to be our first podcast where we're covering five movies, it might end up being our shortest episode yet because I don't think I have a lot to say about these movies. Honestly, me either. Like most of them, even the ones that I enjoyed were like not the highest of brow. There's not a lot to say. <laughs> beep, beep. So <laughs> amen to that. So I had seen, we had both seen Men in Black 1. I had seen Men in Black 2 and 3, but you hadn't. I might have seen number 2 like years ago. I don't really remember. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I thought I knew 
all about number two, but the ending that I thought was number two's ending was actually number one's ending. So going into number two, I was like, I feel, I, you know what? Maybe I haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Um, and then I had seen three in the theaters, but you hadn't. And I was really curious what your thoughts on three were. Mm-hmm. But we started with Bad Boys because it seemed like a movie that was referenced a lot. And I wasn't expecting it to be the greatest movie ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll, let me hit you with the log line real quick. So Bad Boys starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence made in 1995, not 1999, directed by Michael Bay. And right. we're, we're going to start off Andy's trivia corner a little early here. Michael Bay's directorial debut. Which, really? Like, yeah. Hmm. Well, he was firing on all cylinders. I was gonna say the <laughs> from same the thing. Start. Like he definitely set the tone for the, the films that he would do after that. Yeah. So bad boys, two hip, <laughs> hip detectives protect oh, a no. witness to a murder while investigating a case of stolen heroin from the evidence storage room from their police precinct. Not great. Okay. So. It's interesting because I watched the trailer to sort of familiarize myself because we watched Bad Boys maybe like a month ago now. Yeah. (laughs) It's taken us, well, I mean, this was five movies, but it took us a while to get through them. It's because we were like, all right, we're going to do Bad Boys, Muhammad Ali, and like six degrees of separation. Well, I think think what we settled on was Bad Boys and Ali. And then we got like half an hour into Ali and we were kind of like... We'll finish it later. We'll, we'll watch Men in Black yeah, because like, it's just fun. Men in Black? Yeah. And when we watched Men in Black and then we're like, number two. <laughs> and then we're like, number three. And then weeks go by and then we're like, oh, we should probably finish Ali. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was actually completely ready to just skip Men in Black 2 and go right to three because I really wanted you to see three. Because right. it takes place in the 60s, and I thought you would think it was cool. But you yeah. you were pretty adamant that we watch number two, if we were going to watch number three. Yeah, just because if we're going to the trouble of watching the first and the third one, it, you know, might as well watch the second one. But it really speaks to how we felt about Bad Boys and Ali that we keep redirecting the conversation to Men in Black. Yeah, I maybe have more to say on Men in Black. But... Probably. <laughs> okay, so... Bad Boys. So I was watching the trailer and it said from the producers of Beverly Hills Cop. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like that makes sense. Because my thought was, hmm, this is kind of like a worse Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the things I liked about it was Martin Lawrence and Will Smith like joking with each other. Yeah. You know, and buddy buddy kind of thing. And then sort of the juxtaposition of that with a little bit more of a serious case. Mm-hmm. But Beverly Hills Cop did it so much better. It had so in like much more personality. It, I just had problems because I think the movie was at its best when Martin Lawrence and Will were together, but they weren't together in enough scenes. Right. I, yeah, I was going to add on to that. It, it was at its best in those moments to a fault because basically any moment where they weren't in the movie together was just like a complete waste of time. It, it was boring. Well, they tried to do something interesting. They're like, oh, Julie, who I hate, by the way. Oh, yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> They're like, oh, she thinks that Will Smith's character is actually Martin Lawrence, so we got to pretend. Hijinks and then, ensue. And Will Smith's going to live with his family. But they didn't really lean into that enough so nothing like nothing comedic or nothing really interesting resulted from them pretending to be each other really no like Taya Leone is maybe my new favorite least favorite actress ever I hate her she uh, is horrible I didn't hate the actress I hated the actress I I hate her so much I just didn't think the character was interesting at all she was she is so unconvincing just just didn't even seem like she was acting like oh i just hated watching every second of her i've also seen her in spanglish but her weird style of acting was so much more appropriate for that character who's just like a white mom who doesn't really know what she's doing and Mm -hmm. is like not self-aware at all that's I felt like that just oozed into this role of like 
I don't know if she was supposed to be like eye candy or even like really a love interest, but like she was just, yeah. you could have just booted her from the movie as far as it, I'm concerned. It would have been better without her. I yeah. think she was maybe supposed to be a love interest for Will. I don't even remember if they get together in that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Like they should have leaned way more into the bromance yeah. thing. And she was just really annoying. It's like, you know, there's ways to write like female characters that are interesting and they're empowered. And mm-hmm. even if they're like maybe scared of or unsure of a situation, they don't have to be annoying. But she well, was just like annoying. Taya Leone's friend, who was like Will Smith's friend earlier, who died early in the movie. That's almost what that character could have been. And I wish that that character is stuck around longer because she was more interesting. Yeah, that was kind of dumb because they like established this relationship like, oh, if I'm ever in trouble, I'll go to him. Mm-hmm. And then so the friend's like, OK, I'm only going to go to him. But Mike it's like, Lowry. but it's like you threw away this interesting relationship and gave us like a friend that is just thrown into the mix and doesn't know anything about the character. Yeah, I understand that they did it for reasons to motivate will smith's character but like he would should have been motivated enough because they stole back the drugs that was like their career drug bust like in beverly hills cop like his motivation is he wants to solve the crime <laughs> like, yeah. like that's why he goes to beverly Hills. you don't need much more than that honestly yeah he's a police officer he wants to solve cases that's why he's a police officer yeah so i didn't love this movie I'll, uh, I'm going to tell you basically what my letterbox review was. Okay. Uh, I gave it three out of five. That's a okay. six out of 10. I may even bump it down further than that. But my review was, this is the parody of action movies that they play on the TV in the background of better movies. It is kind of like that, especially the end where I think we actually said out loud, stop trying to be cool. Because <laughs> of all but, the explosions and stuff no, for well, like the one-liners? The explosions... The, the cheesy one-liners and uh, the spinning around motion of them, like, holding guns and then the camera's just, like, spinning around them. Like, yeah. oh, what's going to happen? And it's like... do a cool shot. <laughs> it's like you're leaning into it too much. It's like style over substance, not in a good way. Yeah. Well, anyway, moving on. Bad boys. What, what would you rate it? I think I rated it three. And my letterbox review was, I think the real crime in this movie is Will Smith trying to pull off a quarter zip sweater under a suit. Wow. (laughs) I just thought that was such a weird look. I've never seen that before. A quarter zip with a suit? Must have been a 90s thing. Well, Ollie, hit me with the log line, Hannah. It's the biopic? I got it it right here for you. A biography of sports... (laughs) <laughs> really stumbled on the landing. Try again. Okay. Um, a biography of sports legend Muhammad Ali, focusing on his triumphs and controversies between 1964 and 1974. All right, let me hit you with this. I thought it was pretty boring. Yeah. I don't even really want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Let's just give a quick overview. So my thoughts were, it's like if they tried to do a lifetime version of Rocky where they accidentally like tripped on the film reels and then they tried to casually put it back together and hope no one would notice that it's out of order. That's (laughs) (laughs) totally... It felt so disjointed. Yeah. Like just overall, like... Performance from Will Smith was was great. It, it was he, solid. He, he did a good accent. He maybe like slipped out of it like a little couple bit. Of times, couple of times. But performance was great. Overall filmmaking quality, like pretty doo-doo. So there was a scene near the end where his wife, I think it was Belinda, confronts him where they like, oh, you know, you're cheating on me with this girl, Veronica. Right. And he's like, okay, so what's going to happen now? Like, are you in love with her? And like, they're trying to do this dramatic shot. Like, ah, I got to beat George Foreman. And then they like, the shot they use is the cameraman like shaking and then like zooming it a little bit. (laughs) And it's like, 
that's the best shot for like this poignant moment that you're going to use. It, it was like constant shaky cam in, in parts where it felt like inappropriate, you yeah. know, like constantly people walking in front of the camera and like obscuring the shot, like count how many shots there was just like somebody in front of the camera, just like mostly obscuring Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And then like, I don't know if it was our speakers or what, but like we watch, we watch a lot of movies with these same speakers. There were so many scenes where they were like, and I'm like, what? Did you yeah. catch that? You're like, like, I no. have no idea what they and just I'm like, said. I don't even care to rewind no. it. Like, like I just, we didn't, yeah, we didn't I just want to finish it. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing was, is this movie was hard to find in the first place. Mm. It wasn't on streaming. And I think we had maybe a little bit of a hard time like finding it other than that. But mm-hmm. And it wasn't in that high of quality. I think no. it's kind of been buried because it's just like no one cares. I don't know. I, I thought it was going to be really good. Like I went yeah. into this thinking Muhammad Ali was pretty interesting. I was excited to learn more about him. Uh, going back to Billy Crystal's audiobook for a minute, he talked about Muhammad Ali quite a bit in that. He was brought up a lot. So I was like, oh, he's he's cool. You know, I think he was the inspiration for Apollo Creed and Rocky. I love Rocky. Mm-hmm. I, I decently like boxing movies. And I love biopics. And I'm interested to see some Will Smith stuff. So I went in like pretty pumped. And I just like, I didn't know what was going on half the time. I felt like a lot of the things weren't explained properly to the no. viewer. Like, they didn't assume that the viewer knew nothing about Muhammad Ali. They assumed that going into the movie, you knew most of the important beats in Muhammad Ali's life. And so they kind of left out a lot of details. And they were they were like, you, you know what's going on. Just like, w- one character will kind of mention what's going on under their breath, even though it's like a super important thing. But like... Someone like me who doesn't know that much about Muhammad Ali, I was like, wait, what's happening? Who's Jamie Foxx's character? Who's this guy? Is this his brother? No, that's not his brother. Who's he? He's not his trainer, is he? What's going on? Like, so so many of the characters, I was like, who is this person? What's going on? What's happening? Why should I care? Why should I care? Like, Jamie Foxx's character, I think, was supposed to be, like, the manager trainer. The problem was, is it would have been so good if it was more, like a Rocky Creed movie where it was like, you know, a a boxer is, you know, trying to train to compete, to be like the greatest, like compete in these championships, but he's struggling with some stuff outside the ring and that's going to fuel him inside the ring. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't really represented enough. It was more like, we're going to have a scene where, Muhammad is talking to some guys and then we're just going to cut directly to him punching someone in the ring. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no emotional weight to these boxing scenes. I'm just watching him punch someone like they're not even shot. Well, no, because there was there was the match, the rumble in the jungle. I think at the end they showed almost the whole match of him, like fighting George Foreman. And Mm -hmm. it's like in Rocky any of the Rocky movies, it's like this big climactic finale. Like he's going to fight his rival and like, it's going to be really intense and like, they're going to go round to round and like do interesting things with it. And it just felt like we were just watching like a straight match. And there was like no cinematic way. Like nothing fell at stake. Like I didn't really even root for the character at that point because no, he like right before that, his wife's like, I found out from friends that you're just like openly cheating on me in Africa while I'm like in Chicago taking care of like a sick person who they didn't go into detail. I think was it was sick. their child. But I, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And and he's just like, whatever. And he's like, do you do you love her? And he's like, I don't know. And like, are we going to continue this relationship? I don't know. He's like, the only thing that I care about right now is fighting George Foreman. And it's like, wow, you're not, like, really a good person because your wife is, like, trying to have a serious conversation, like, about things, and you're like, I'm only focused on this one thing, so I don't care about any of this, and I'm going to cheat on you. And it's like, Yeah, it was strange because the filmmakers clearly loved Muhammad Ali, and that's why they wanted to make a movie about him. And I'm glad that they left in the more negative 
qualities of him because, yeah. you know, that's the honest truth and you shouldn't like sugarcoat it and paint him to be, you know, some kind of mythical no. figure if he has a lot of flaws. But also like, I don't know, I feel it felt like they fell too much in the middle. Like they weren't like Muhammad Ali's awesome root for him, but they also weren't like, man, he's he's a terrible person. Like it was the message was kind of muddied. I wasn't sure how to feel about him at the end. Well, I mean, you can definitely root for a character that's not like, you know, an upstanding citizen. Like part of the problem was it felt like we jumped right in to something like, oh, you know who Muhammad is. Like, here's this big match that he's doing in the beginning. And it's like, okay. Whereas with Rocky, it's like, you know, he's not maybe the best person he's you know he's a decent person he he has his flaws but we're seeing his character like progress we're seeing him like like establishing character like oh he's fighting this guy but then we're seeing him out of the ring and like okay what does that mean and like establishing something instead of being thrown in whereas they have like a montage at the beginning of him as like a kid going through trouble with like segregation and stuff like riding in the back of the bus and then seeing like a mural of Jesus being painted white. And it's like, okay, like you understand why he became a black Muslim because he wanted to support like, you know, black people by being part of a black community. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, Christianity was predominantly white at that time, but it's like, they just sort of, made you guess that that's what's going on and like they just expected you to just like yeah you know and like there there's you no know, development of any character so i'm only comparing this movie to rocky because you know rocky is a boxing movie and you're you're learning the journey of a man that wants to compete to be the best where at, like Muhammad Ali, he's trying to compete. Like he's had this gap during the Vietnam War where he hasn't fought and he's trying to make like a comeback and be the best. So that's kind of like Rocky two, three, four, five, where he's like, I've been out of the game a little bit, but I'm I'm getting back into it and I'm going to go up against like this new rival. So that's George Foreman. But it's like they didn't really show him training. They didn't show like him as down on his luck. Like they showed him outside of the ring, like sitting on a couch with like a baby in his lap that they don't name and him like talking to like Jamie Foxx. Like, but we don't actually see him like going through like a hero's journey really. Right. Well, that was another thing that was one of the things that I was most looking forward to learning about in this movie. And then I came away feeling like I knew even less about, which was his like boxing license suspension and his his draft dodging, if you want to call it that. Like, I thought that because he refused to be drafted that he was sent to jail, but I guess he never actually was sent to jail. No. Um, But then like they imply that he can't like box for a certain number of years or something or i don't know but then he boxes in like atlanta anyway so uh, they're talking about him being like a little bit older maybe past his prime and i'm like did time actually pass with him not boxing because he didn't go to vietnam and he didn't go to jail and he didn't have to wait for his boxing license to be given back because he was able to box in georgia so what exactly was the time jump So, I mean, they did it a little bit is, you know, they showed him at court where they're like, you know, you're suspended, you know, you're going to await trial, you're out on bail. And they showed him meeting this young girl, which, by the way, that was so creepy, where she's like, I interviewed you when I was 11. And it's like, he would have been at least 16 at the time, which means he's like 16 years older than her and like in a position of power. You mean five um, years older. Oh, well, I mean, 16 bare minimum, but still. I imagine it was probably like 19 or 20. So it's like eight. Yeah. So anyway, still weird. And so then he met his wife 
and then they had kids. And by the time he got the appeal, the kid was like a toddler. So reading the Wikipedia page. Which I did not do. I did a little bit. Right. It was like five years. So he he evaded draft. And then in that was like 1966. And then they finally uh, repealed. Is that the right word? Appealed? I don't know. Repealed his case in 1971. Okay. So he could do Rumble in the Jungle. Or- well, the movie did a great job of explaining all that. So it's like, that's a pretty big time jump. Like, you know, he was the best of the best. And then because of, you know, his religious beliefs and not wanting to go to war, you know, understandable. Like, yeah. who wants to get drafted in the war? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, no, that's like, you know, you're not patriotic. Like, you, you can't do that. And then it's like, you know, now you're not at your physical peak for you've been out of the game too long. So that that's the perfect sort of situation to be like, you know, sort of like Rocky one, like here's the rise of like an icon and then like Rocky like four. It's like, okay, you've been out of the game a while and you're up against like this guy that is like a lot better than you. Like what's the stakes here? Like I want to be the best of the best. Like I want to prove that I can still do it and stuff. Like I wish there was more of that. Yeah, I guess I'm still waiting for my my ideal Muhammad Ali movie, yeah. which is kind of the same way that I felt about Elvis, which well, we didn't end up getting to talk about this on the podcast. We talked about wanting to see Elvis and that we were planning to see it on a particular weekend. I ended up seeing it. Hannah couldn't see it because she had to work and it was not great. Um, check out my letterbox uh, at Winesti for a little bit of a review and a rating there, but it just like, it was, it was a similar thing here where like the performance of the lead was great. I just wish that they did that same performance in a different, better written movie. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it, it would be it like, was just, yeah, it would be like a scene where he was, well, there was just so much left unsaid as well. It would be like, he would be talking to his first wife, Sonji, And he's like, I don't like the way you dress. And then, like, a couple scenes later, like, one of his, like, entourage is like, yeah, we filed divorce papers. It's like, all right, goodbye, Sonji. Like, and then same with Belinda. She just, like, comes by and she's like, I heard that you've been cheating. It's like, they sort of set it up, but... They didn't really show anything specific. So it's like the opposite of good filmmaking. You're telling me, not showing me. It seemed like they were trying to do too much at once. Yeah. Like this was this was a 10-year span between like 1964 and 1974. I feel like I would have preferred more like a five-year span from maybe like 1959 or 1960 to 1965. Like his initial rise up. To, to prominence. I I actually think it would be, for me, it would be more interesting to be like, okay, like you didn't want to go in the war, so you're out of the game and then like watch like him get back in the game and then be, rise back to the top. Mm, I think that would- I smell an HBO miniseries. That, that, yeah, that would be good. Like a, like a two-parter, three-parter. Yeah. Yeah. That would be better. Agreed. So I would give it, Maybe a six out of ten. Maybe, no. maybe a th- no. no, not even. I, okay, <laughs> You're talking me down. Because here's the thing: Bad Boys, we watched like in one evening. Mm-hmm. We might have paused a couple times. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, we actively tried to avoid watching it and like put it off. It felt like a chore. Yeah, because like we watched half an hour of it, waited a couple weeks, watched it yesterday. Watch like 20 minutes. You're like, all right, I'm going to take a nap. And yep. then you took, <laughs> took like, a, took like you, an hour nap. Yeah. And then we watched like another half hour of it. And we're like, is this movie still going? <laughs> it was like, it took forever. It was like well, a two and a half hour movie. Coming back to it after so long on a Friday, I was like, you were like, what do you want to do to start the weekend? And I was like, I think we should just get Ali out of the way. Like get it over with because we actively didn't want to watch it. We didn't want to finish it. 
Yeah. Like, I was like, I need to do something productive. Otherwise, I'm going to be, like, bored out of my mind. So I was, like, folding laundry <laughs> while yeah. we were watching the movie. Okay. So I'll give it I'll give it a two and a half out of five or a five out of ten, which is I, pretty low, but I think it deserved it. Most movies, you know, if they're bad, I'm like, that was bad, but, like, it was still kind of fun. Like, I had a good time watching it, even though it wasn't a good movie, but I actively did not like have a good time watching this i'm like mm, i want this to be over it's boring <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah. men in black which is kind men of like black. it's it's what i didn't envision sort of like the feature event of this podcast to be because we were just kind of we just kind of threw it on just to like feel a little bit better about our will smith marathon yeah but now i think it might be the the movies where we have the most to say so so i saw one and two as a kid i saw three in the theater with my mom. Hannah, why don't you hit us with your Men in Black experience? So Take us through it. What I can remember is seeing Men in Black a couple times just on cable late night. I was one of those kids that would just like watch like weird movies that were on cable. I'm like, ooh, like there's this weird movie. Yeah, I'm going to sure, throw this on. And I remember being really freaked out by the bug guy. Vincent D'Onofrio, you mean? Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. Private Pile from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Full Metal Jacket, like the guy who, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, that was the bug guy. Weird. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, well, I don't want to spoil Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just go watch the, the, that instead. The, the rotund... Yeah, fellow. the rotund fellow. Yeah, he's he's a chameleon because he he mm-hmm. was in like Adventures in Babysitting, yep. and he was like ripped. Yeah, and with, then like, he was he was Wilson Fisk in Daredevil, and he was just like enormous. He would be a good kingpin. Yeah, that's who. Yeah, that's who that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But- so he, I remember being pretty freaked out by that as a kid. Well, I thought I actually it's funny that we're starting with this. This is sort of like our main talking point to start. But his uh, his facial performance, I don't know if they use prosthetics or what, but I was absolutely blown away by the way that they made it that in the first like five minutes, he's like regular old Vincent D'Onofrio. And then once the alien comes, it's. Definitely Vincent D'Onofrio, but like the character says, it's like his skin is like hanging off his face. Like it's a like it's a mask. It's just like it's Vincent D'Onofrio, but he's like melting. Yeah, it was it was funny but creepy. She's like, You're just You look like a bag of bones. Yeah, your your skin's falling off her face. Yeah. As so this is what I like about the first Men in Black movie. Yeah. Is for someone that's younger, it's like slightly edgy. Mm-hmm. Where there's like maybe a little bit of swearing, tee hee hee, and it's like a little spooky, and it like seems like just a like a little cool, like it's like yeah. it's like a superhero movie, but it's like it's not your mama's superhero <laughs> movie. It's like like a little more like chill, like teen fun or whatever. Right. But it's got a little bit of a kick to it. But number two. <laughs> Number two was surprisingly more, bad. A lot more family friendly. Yeah. A lot of those jokes that go on a little too long and weren't funny to begin with. And... Well, you know how much I hate that. Yeah. But let's talk about what I did like yeah. about the first one. So it was th- it had some good comedic moments. Like mm-hmm. I really liked Will Smith in the test. The test was so funny. Yeah. Where... They're like in those weird egg chairs and they're like you trying to a good fit. egg chair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just thought it was funny that they like didn't give them a table and they're like, you have to like write on your lap or write on the egg chair. And it was like so awkward. And then Will Smith's like, okay, there's a coffee table. Like it's made of like stone. <laughs> I'm going to grab it like, real quick. He's like scraping it over and like trying to be real chill about it. It was so funny. That was great. <laughs> and I really liked, I wish there was, they showed more of him before 
he joined, Mm -hmm. like, to show a little bit of a difference. Like, oh, this was his life before, and, you know, maybe he was missing something. Like, he was really lonely, and that's why he could join an organization where he could just drop off the planet and no one would know him. I'll I'll counter that by saying that by just jumping right into it, they they keep the pace pretty quick. That's true. The movie doesn't drag too much. That's true. And, like, you don't really need it. Like, it's implied enough. Like, just Mm -hmm. the fact that... K is like, oh, if you join us, you have to erase yourself uh, from the planet, basically. And he's like, like, he thinks about her for a bit and he's like, all right, I'm in. It's like, you get it. You get yeah. that his his social life probably isn't the best. Maybe his family, like, wasn't there for him or, yeah. you know, touch on that a little bit in Men in Black 3, but we'll get there. Um, right. That's true. And uh, you, I feel like you get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I really like that they put him in, like, a red jacket. Mm-hmm. And it's like so bright and bold and it separates him from like the rest of the suits in the room. Yeah. And then it's such a juxtaposition to him like putting on the black suit. Like, okay, now I'm like a completely different person. Totally, yeah. So it was, it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. When my um, high school tech teacher uh, told me that Star Wars sucked and that the greatest movie, <laughs> the greatest sci-fi movie of all time was Blade Runner, but second to Blade Runner was Men in Black – Initially, I scoffed, but hey, you know what? It holds up. I don't know if it's in the top with sci-fi. <laughs> Probably not, but, but it's a good fun time. I think the IP is really cool, mm-hmm. and I think it's dope that it's Marvel, and I think they need to do more with it in the future, whether that's like maybe like an edgy show or maybe like another movie. I know they've done like a movie with Tessa Thompson yeah. that we haven't watched mm-hmm. but I do think you like tessa thompson or do you hate her i forget i like her but i didn't like her character in veronica mars right okay but that's not her fault she was great in creed and <laughs> yeah other stuff anyway yeah, she's continue. good they did do a man in black show actually oh okay it was uh it was, animated but i was gonna say i'm yeah. like it it felt like it's something that would be good like the real ghostbusters yeah it's yeah. like you know it's like an alien of the week it is, it is kind of Ghostbusters-esque. It is, It's like yeah. the Ghostbusters, like Ghostbusters was 80s. Yeah, it's like Alien Busters, the Ghostbusters of the, of the 90s slash 2000s Agreed. almost. Yeah. But, okay, so you were surprised when you learned that it was based on a comic, right? Yeah, I had no idea. Right. This is a piece of trivia that I've carried around with me for years, and thus it is completely not fact-checked, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Um, apparently in the comics, instead of having the uh, neuralizer thing where they, like, and erase the memory. Apparently in the comics, they just kill them. Right. So they're trying to make it more family friendly. <laughs> yeah. But I actually really like that as like a vehicle for comedy. Yeah. I thought it was really funny when Will Smith is like, oh, we like can say anything to them. So then he like gives this whole spiel to this lady. Like, you need to like get yourself a new man like renovate this place. Yeah, like, he didn't appreciate <laughs> you anyway. <laughs> yeah, like he did this whole thing and it was so good. And he like does that in some of the other ones where he's like does like his little jokes and spiel. And I, I appreciate that level of comedy. Yeah, well, he's like, you know, if we're going to be erasing, if we're going to be giving them new memories, at least make it happy memories. Like, why not? Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Like when <laughs> to jump to the third one, when he fires Patrick Walburton. Warburton. Warburton. Um, Patrick Warburton. He like, you know, makes it so it didn't even happen. He's like all chill and like stuff like that. So that was cool. Is that the third one or is that was that, that was the second one? Uh yeah. This might have been the second one. It was the second one, yeah. Yeah. Because the second one starts with him with a different partner because K is not his partner. Spoilers. K is not his partner because they they erased his memory at the end of the first one. Yeah. I didn't really like that they... I mean, it's what you do in sequels where they did sort of a retcon, like unraveling what happened. It was a decent ending to the first one, but a stupid retcon to the beginning of the second one. It's like, oh, she wanted to go back to the morgue. It's just like a throwaway line because like he gets like a a new partner at the end of the first one. It's like, okay, I guess that character is just completely gone. And then it's like, we need to bring him back because he knows about this mission we're doing. It's like, okay. It just right, it sure, seemed like we'll it took up back. a lot of the movie to get his memory back. And it just kind of felt like we were wasting time. Well, that was the most interesting part of the movie, though. 
because all that stuff with like that well, alien chick was like dumb. You make a great point though, because the part of the reason why the pace of the first movie was so good is because it felt like we were constantly moving forward in in the plot in the overall plot that was going on. But the second one, like you said, like we wasted a lot of time uh, or, or like I said, I guess we wasted a lot of time with the memory loss thing for K, but that was arguably more interesting than the actual plot. That was kind of like, eh, who cares? Yeah. It would be like Frank, which that that's another thing is Frank was like, Decently funny as, like, a throwaway gag, like, oh, isn't it funny that he's, like, throwing around, like, a, a dog and, like, a dog is an alien? It's yeah. like, okay. And then same with the, like, the little bugs in the coffee room yeah. in the They're first funny. one. They're funny for about a minute. It was like, oh, isn't that funny that he's, like, never seen aliens before and he's just casually going into a room where aliens are having coffee? Oh, yeah. that, that's cool. And that's then the it's joke. like, yeah. And then they really him both of those aspects up for the second one. Yeah. Where it's like all about the bugs, like that pizza place girl, Rosario Dawson is like there and like, oh, the, 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 at the place me, but, and yeah. like, and then, and then Frank is singing who let the dogs out in the car, which was like <sighs> the worst part of the movie. Well, didn't he sing, he sang who let the dogs out. Did he also sing I will survive? I think he so. sang like another song that like, he sang it for about two lines and I was like, okay, haha, wasn't that funny, but joke's over now, right? And then he just kept singing and I just muted the TV until it seemed like that scene was over because I'm like, this is a waste of my time right now is <laughs> to watch this CGI dog sing I Will Survive or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man. Well, the thing is, is the first one, it felt maybe like slightly edgy where if you were 12, you're like, oh, this is, this is cool. Whereas... <laughs> Whereas the second one, it was more like, oh, like executives are like, oh, 12 year olds like this movie. Let's show them what we think 12 year olds want to see a dog yeah. singing in a car. And it's, it's like Chippendale syndrome all over. Again. It's like they're playing it down because they're like, oh, we got to make it family friendly so more people can watch it. And like, let's have a dog singing and like have more comic relief. And it's like. Uh, don't need it. <laughs> well, it surprised me that the second one and the third one, for that matter, were directed by the same guy who directed the first one. That's so true. it's like the, the team was back at it again, but they just couldn't do it. Like, it just felt so different from the first one. Well, you know, it's hard to know. Maybe there was studio interference. Like, you can only make the movie if you make it more marketable or something. Yeah. So... I was I was legitimately excited to show you Men in Black 3. I mean, partially because Jemaine from Flight of the Concords was in it and I was looking forward to that. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you. Basically, and you, you can you can tell me your whole your whole experience with Men in Black 3, but I'll just come right out the gate and say basically the entire reason why I wanted to watch the movie with you and show it to you was the ending. Oh, okay. Which may surprise you, but it was the ending was one of those things that was like when you show your partner a movie that that there's a part in it that's like either important to you or that you're mm -hmm. excited about or that gives you chills or something. And you're kind of like waiting to see what their reaction is. You're kind of giving them the side side eye on the couch. Right. That was one of those moments for me. It's just like oh, yeah. I, I found that an effective moment when I saw it and I'm being vague as to what it is in, in case, you know, people still haven't watched You'll it. But it we'll it. we'll yeah. we'll spoil it in a few minutes. Um and I was just, I was just curious what you thought because it kind of puts into a different perspective um, the first two movies or at least the the beginning of the first movie. But uh, what what was your what was your experience watching it fresh for the first time? Tell me all your thoughts and feelings. Okay, so I do love a time travel movie, and you can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was even more of that. I wish just they... time travel aspects in it. Yeah, they. They could have played around with that more. They sure. could have leaned into the fact that it's 1960s more. Like you did a decent. I, I thought that the Andy Warhol stuff was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy that can see different timelines was interesting. The guy who I thought little, was Billy West weird. when I first saw the movie. But I was, 
Very incorrect. If you told me it was, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise at this point. I like Men in Black 3. I like yeah. it. I like it at least more than the second one. I don't know if I like it as much as the first one, but what did you think? It It's one of those movies where if someone was like, do you just want to like throw on Men in Black 3 in the background? I'd be like, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's on at a party, I'd be like, I would sit and watch a few minutes of it and like talk to people and stuff. But like, am I going to be like, oh, you got to watch Men in Black 3? Maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I kind of was. I don't know. The, like well, it was fun. The way that I felt about it when I first walked out of the theater was like sometimes you have these franchises that have been dead for a long time and then suddenly they make a new one and you're like, why did they make a new one? They should have just left well enough alone. You know, yeah. like they keep making Terminator movies, <laughs> you know, like after the second one, you really should have stopped. They really stick the landing on the second one. Yeah. Like they, they don't need to continue. The third one was like, okay, I mean, eh, yeah. And then the fourth one was like, okay, at least we're doing something different. And then they just like, they kept making them. Yeah. And but I didn't feel like this was one of those cases. No. I felt like walking out of Men in Black Three. I was like, you know what? I can see why they wanted to make another one of those. You three know? is definitely better than number two. Number two, I don't think I would ever watch again. No, no. I, I felt the same way about Toy Story. It was like, uh, but I guess kind of in reverse, where like walking out of Toy Story Three, I was like, yes. I understand why they made Toy Story 3. That felt necessary. And then when they made Toy Story 4, I was like, okay, that one you didn't really need. No. Could have stopped. Like it wasn't bad, it wasn't but it bad wasn't necessary. it wasn't needed. It was more sad. Right. Whereas Men in Black 3, I did actually kind of feel like it closed the loop on on that little trilogy there. Mm-hmm. And it was know? more fun. There was no Frank <laughs> there was a minimal amount of those bug aliens. Yep. No Michael Jackson, unlike the second one. Yeah, that was weird. Hmm. I mean, like, I can't believe it. Most like, things involving Michael Jackson are weird. Yeah. Yes. But it's like that movie came out in like 2001. So it was like, ooh, big celebrity guest appearance. And we're like, this hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So your thoughts, overall thoughts. I feel like this is like the third time I've asked you, but. So. I did like Jermaine as a villain. Funny, because Men in Black is a movie where it's like, it leans into the comedy. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to have sort of a comedic villain. So Mm -hmm. he was good. I liked all of his stuff generally. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't care like about the romance of K and And O. O. It's like... eh. Whatever. They didn't focus on it much. It was it was more so to just highlight how Kay used to be more fun loving and and happier as compared to how he is in in the present timeline. So right. it was a means to an end. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair enough. Like yeah. In general, I thought it was a cool idea, and I like that they did it. Mm-hmm. One thing that I was a little miffed about is. The guy that gives him, like, the time jumper thing, mm-hmm. he, like, makes it clear. He's like, don't lose this. This is important. Like, you won't be able to get back if you don't have it. And I was like, okay. So that's going to be, like, a plot point where he loses it and then they have trouble getting back to their original timeline. And no. That, <laughs> that myth I didn't even really notice that he said that personally. He, he said it. And I was like, okay, well, when you... Usually in writing, it's like the check off gun, check check offs gun thing, where it's like if you're pointing something. Thanks, Google. Anyway, moving on. If if you're pointing something out, it's probably gonna come back, or at least it should. Right. That's how I felt about it. Like, why point out like don't lose it? And it's like, yeah, you shouldn't lose it. It's like a time travel device. I will say, though, that I feel like in a lot of either accidental time travel movies or purposeful time travel movies, particularly Back to the Future. Yeah. In fact, probably all three Back to the Futures. There's a big emphasis on like, oops, now we're stuck in the past. Yeah. And we have to find something or make something that's going to help us get back home. Yeah. If you're going to do a time travel movie, that ground has kind of already been tread. So I wasn't really itching for him to be like, oh, no, I'm going to be stuck now because it's been done. 
You know what I, I'm saying? I hear you on that. I just thought that they were going to do that. And I was like, well, why set something up that you're not going to pay off? But I guess, you know, maybe I was just reading too much into the situation. If you want to watch a pretty good modern time travel movie, which does have Andy Samberg in it, sorry, <laughs> Palm Springs. What? Nothing wrong with Andy Samberg. Is a really, Palm Springs is a really fresh take on... um like the Groundhog Day sort of formula? Yeah. I, I didn't want to say time travel. It's more like time Loop. being in time. Yeah. Well, you're you're traveling in a different way. Sure. Yeah. So I think they brought a lot of interesting new ideas to the table that I hadn't seen. And if you're a fan of Groundhog Day, which as my husband, it's mandatory that you are. <laughs> I, I That's think, right. I think it's like a good spiritual successor to Groundhog Day. I would love if Palm Springs were to be the first good thing that I saw Andy Samberg in, you know? There might be a couple scenes where you like maybe cringe a little bit, but overall I still think that the movie is good. Sure. So maybe we'll we'll watch that at some point. Maybe. In the spring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as like, what is it like daylight savings time? Spring forward or <laughs> spring forward into Palm Springs coming this spring. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll do a Palm Springs trip and then we'll watch it. Okay. Palm now you lost me. <laughs> so that's just me manifesting <laughs> wanting to go to Palm Springs. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll loop back to that conversation. So the ending of Men in Black 3. Did you did you have any thoughts? Did you kind of experience the ending and you were like, all right, nothing special? And then I'm saying I was looking forward to your, your reaction and you're like, oh, really? Or did you did you think it was bad? Did you think it was good? It was a little bit like, oh, really? I guess. So I don't want to yuck your yum too much. Mm -hmm. So to I'm, me, I'm preparing to be yucked. To to me, it was like now that you're saying it. I'm like, oh yeah, it, it was a good idea to close the loop. Like, okay, this is why Jay is a loner because this experience happened to his character. And I'll, right. I'll just let's just not say it just sure, it, just in case. Um, but at the time when I was watching it, I was like, this maybe feels like a little force, like you're trying to bring in some kind of connection between K and J and it's like, I don't think that there needed to be a connection because the connection in the first movie was that he chased down an alien mm -hmm. and he had information about the case Yeah, and then he did well on the exam and, you know, K was like, you know, he, he seems like the right guy. He has the info. So let's recruit him. Like that, that, that felt yeah. like the only connection that it needed to be for me. But I, I, uh, I completely agree with you that it wasn't needed to create an added connection. I just really liked the way that they did it. Like it, it informed Will Smith's character as to why he was able to lift himself right out of society. You know, like he didn't have a father. He felt like he could survive on his own, let's say, um, and then it it provided more insight as to uh, you know why K felt so strongly about Jay in the first place. Like yes, he he chased down the alien, but like Zed was kind of like, oh, do we really have to recruit this guy? And K was like, yo, let's let's do it. Can't even imagine K saying yo, but anyway, it's just the voice that I chose to use. <laughs> um, but but then yeah, and and then it, it explained in a really nice way. I know this wasn't like a huge talking point in the first two movies, but they they brought up this thing at the beginning of Men in Black 3 that, that was like, what happened to Kay to make him such a grump? And I thought that was such like a brilliant way to, to you know, again, close that loop is, is that he had to comfort Jay after his father was killed right in front of him. Um, and I just felt that it tugged at my heartstrings you know going back to our podcast episode one i watch movies with my heart i felt like maybe a little bit emotional and i was like yeah movie yeah yeah 
But and that's like, okay if you felt different. I don't, I don't know if they needed to explain that because to me it's like, you know, it's kind of an established trope where it's like one partner is enthusiastic and one's a bit of a grump. Sure. Like it's just like something that's good to play off of. Yeah. They were just trying to build out Kay's character a little bit more, you know, yeah. showing that like he was, he hasn't always been a grump. You know, he had he had an experience that saddened him and that's why he's a crump. Well, I'm just saying I like that. It's definitely tough to give characters growth where they're not supposed to they're not supposed to remember their past life really. Or well do they remember their past life? What do you mean? I guess they do. What do you but mean? no one else remembers them. I do not know what you're talking about. Like I I was thinking about it like when they're recruited. I guess they just have to say goodbye to their old life. And all their traces of their identity oh, oh, are yeah, gone. Yeah, but yeah. they still remember their experiences, yeah, I guess. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know what you meant. I thought you were saying, like, say goodbye to their past life. Or, like, I thought you were asking, do they remember their past life? Like, do they remember their memories from before the timeline got messed up? But you're saying remember their past life as in have their memories from before they were recruited recruited to Men in Black. Yeah, and they, they do. I could really but, go for some like spicy black pepper peanuts right now. That's very specific. <laughs> I don't know. I, anyway, then, continue. You know black. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> of black pepper peanuts. That's not the black- mental connection that I was making. But anyway. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to say it's hard to establish like a character arc for characters where it's supposed to be their sole identity is like chasing aliens sure. and not having any other identity outside of that. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is like Men in Black 2 was kind of like, we're going to have some more fun loving adventures, but like there was no real heart to it. Whereas Men in Black 3 was actively like trying to do something new with those characters and trying to add, mm-hmm. you know, there was right. effort, A for effort. I, yeah, I think for a first movie, it's okay to be like, this is just like a fun loving adventure because it was supposed to be like, you know, the old guy is out, he's training the new guy, he's retiring. Kind of Mm. thing. This is my last big case. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing other ones, it's like, well, you can't just do that again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what would you rate it out of 10, out of five, whatever you want? All three movies. (laughs) No, just just the third one. one. Uh, I gave it I gave it a seven out of 10. It it was fun. It was fun. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's men in black. It it didn't have to be. Like number. Yeah. I would say a seven's pretty fair. Number two, I don't know. It Poop. was like Poop. over Muhammad Ali and Men in Black 2, I am more likely to put Men in Black 2 on again. Well, me too, but, but just because it's shorter. <laughs> just because at least it feels somewhat entertaining, even if it's not that funny. Yeah. Uh but Johnny Knoxville's in it with two heads. Okay. Double the Knoxville, so double the, the fun. So that was one thing is like, I saw his name pop up at the beginning credits and I was like, Johnny Knoxville. Okay. Bring it on. And then at the end, I saw his names in the credit again. And I was like, who's Johnny Knoxville in this movie? I was like prepared for him. And then like, I didn't even notice him the whole movie. You didn't recognize him? <laughs> I guess he was the guy with two heads, but like when I was watching it, I wasn't like, oh yeah, that's Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> Hang on, I'm pulling up a picture right now. It was it was this guy. I guess you're used to seeing him with no. sunglasses on. What do you mean no? No. Are you saying no, that's not Johnny Knoxville? No, 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 no. no. That's Johnny Knoxville, hey, people. Listen. I'm I am listening. Go I ahead. I didn't recognize him. Yes, that much is clear. Because... I don't know, maybe because he had the five o'clock shadow or something, or maybe I'm used to seeing him with like glasses and like darker gray hair. Or maybe you're just distracted by the female character next to him constantly opening her shirt. Yeah. Which is another completely unnecessary thing. It was was weird because this movie didn't know what it wanted to be because Mm -hmm. it had like a character that, you know, was dressed scantily mm-hmm. she, <laughs> but, was, she was supposed to be like a lingerie model but then yeah 
And but then it was like, we're gonna have a dog singing in a car. And it's like, do you want it to be like more mature for a mature audience or uh, do you want it to be for babies? They didn't know. Rosario <laughs> Dawson is better than this. She is, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Mandalorian. So it is officially October. We're recording this right smack dab at the beginning of October. You probably won't hear it until maybe a week or two into October, but it is finally spooky season. We've been looking finally. forward to this all year. I think we're going to start by dipping our toes into some Halloween episodes of, of some shows that are beloved to us, maybe a little bit of Rugrats. We're going to try out the uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. We, we're not really big Simpsons fans, but we're interested. I used to watch those in, as a kid, though. I've never seen them. Really? So I'm interested in diving into those. Then we'll probably do like an all-day marathon of Over the Garden Wall <laughs> just to really get into the fall atmosphere. And then we'll dive into some some straight-up horror. We might still do From Dusk Till Dawn and Desperado coming off the heels of uh, El Mariachi, but I guess it'll depend how we feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. I right. definitely have some thoughts of some movies, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. Yeah. Both for, for the season and the movies and the fashion. Gotta love fall fashion. Absolutely. And the candles. And the pumpkin. We made pumpkin butter. And the pumpkin, pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah. We made apple butter too, but now I'm starting to ramble. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs> Hannah, any final words? I guess not. Well, I was going to make some <laughs> dumb joke. I was just like, let's make a jack-o'-lantern joke. And then I couldn't think of anything. You know what? Here, we'll just, we'll take a pause. Think of your best jack-o'-lantern <laughs> joke. And that's what we'll end with. Okay. Take as much time as you need. Okay. Thanks for carving out time in your schedule. Like I'm going to carve my pumpkin. I liked where that started, but I didn't like where it ended. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to be here all day thinking of sick pumpkin jokes. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody.